Hey everyone, welcome back this week on the Your Greatest Worth podcast. I am interviewing a very new friend. Her name is Jillian and she blogs and posts and creates all kinds of wonderful things over at Unborrowed Life. And everything she makes is so beautiful. I, she's just like a joy to follow. So I really wanted you guys to get to meet her. But I wanted to jump in here real quick and just let you know that when I interviewed her, it was before we had all gone into house arrest. So we don't specifically address what that looks like in this time and what minimalism looks like and what parenting looks like and what um, you know restricting your children's activities. But so many of the things she says can be put into examples for the life that we're living right now. And I think minimalism is such a beautiful thing for us to investigate in this time while we are home. So for me, minimalism was something that I started getting into when I started paying off debt and it just made a lot of sense to me. And then that led me to finding my values and defining them. And then that led me to creating a vision. I mean, it was just like this cascade of amazing events that minimalism kind of helped me begin. So I wanted to introduce y'all to thinking about minimalism in a different way and how it can help support you in your vision and in your path to, you know, really living the life that you want to be living. And in this time of quiet and kind of seclusion, you know, it's a really ideal time to be investigating this further. So I really think you'll get a lot of value from this interview with Jillian. And yeah, let me know what you think and go check her out too. She's really great. Let me know what else you all are wondering lately and what you would like me to record an episode about. It would be really helpful to me and just really kind of my goal is to serve you and give you what you need in this time. So speaking of, if you, ha- if you don't remember, I have the Emergency Budget Blueprint. It's out in the world and it's incredible and it's getting a lot of amazing feedback already. So It's pay what feels good. I wanted to make it available for everyone and it will take you literally from anxiety and overwhelm into calm and confident with your money and what you're doing during this time. So go check out the Emergency Budget Blueprint. And without further ado, here's Jillian from Unborrowed Life. I'm Nicole Rule, and I've paid off $100,000 in debt in 26 months and in the process realized that managing money doesn't have to suck. I created Greatest Worth to help you get control and find joy in your money so that you can begin to use it as a tool to make a life you love in your home, relationships, health, and vocation. Money management can help us move forward in nearly every area of our life. So each week, I'll be here sharing tips and strategies, as well as interviews with super inspiring people with that same goal in mind. It's time to start living your dreams. This is your greatest work. Hi, Jillian. Thank you for being here. I'm super excited to have you. I found you on Instagram and you can tell more, you could tell people more about you because honestly, I was really just attracted to your um, aesthetic. That is really meaningful to me. And there's a lot of noise in the money world and the financial space, and it's very loud and not very pretty to me. And when I saw yours, I was like, what is happening? This is like amazing. I love it so yeah. much. Um, tell people a little bit about um, your 
business. And if you, if you want to start, like if your story is part of the business too, feel free to start with your story. Yeah. I'm actually like really happy you mentioned that too, because that I had the same issue. So when I went to go out of debt, I was like, there's like so much bright color. So in your face, I just wanted to collect information or, you know, like, and like I found too, there wasn't a lot of like relevant information and I really struggled there. Um, <clears throat> so when I was creating Unborrowed Life, I really wanted to create something that was clean and simple and basically like to the point. So there was like no fluff. So yeah. basically you could just, you know, absorb the information right away, you know, cause it even goes into like the whole aesthetic is just like, I don't even want to like bore people with stories. <laughs> like I get bored of my own stories too. So <laughs> I'm happy that you like noticed that because that was obviously intentional. Um, just yeah. to, yeah, because you can go on hashtags and it's just a bombardment. So I was hoping to do something that it's like not so in your face. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. I love that part. So tell me how Unborrowed Life started. <laughs> is it part of like your money journey? I'm assuming it is. It really is. So um, it's, I, I'm a Gemini, so I dabble in a lot of stuff. So I went okay. to college for graphic design and web development and then majored in marketing. And then I always had a nick for fashion, went into um, the fashion industry, had my own children's clothing line, um, no and just never thought I would be in finance, never. Um, and then me and my husband have been together for so long, and as we've grown closer with my father-in-law, he kind of set us down. Unfortunately, his mom passed away um, a little bit too early, uh, but she, because of this, is it's like a very bittersweet, obviously I would love to have her here, but it really started this whole journey because his dad set us down and it's like, well, you know, your, you know, your mom left money for you. And, and you know, Mark Ryan had a kind of gist of it, but didn't really know. And they were both teachers and they left a significant amount for okay. him to, yes. And so he went through this whole thing and it just kind of sparked the light bulb. It was like, wait a minute, like you're a teacher in Midwest America and you are like well set for life. And it just kind of like, wait, how are you doing this? And so and they must not have been that old either. Right? Like no, they retired. Had. Yeah. Like around, I think a few years after the, like the 55 and a half that okay. well, he can take out funds. So yeah. yeah, it was just, you know, their house is paid for. It was just like all this thing. And I was just like, I want that. Mm -hmm. And so I just dove deep and that's, you know, that whole journey, I, I found like a lot of stuff was lacking for, I guess, what did you say? Like modern day times, because we live in LA, I'm not going to carry cash. So <laughs> a lot of that, and you know, it's like our car even got broken into that had like toll money and it. So it's just like having lump sums of money was not an option for us. And I just realized too, that there's like this huge gap in this market of like, you know, it's like, there's one way to do things. And I don't think that's necessarily like, true because there's different ways and there's different approach and everyone's going to be different, you know? So that was really where it started. And just seeing, you know, the results of my, my in-laws, what they had and just being like, no, I want that. Let's get real about this. I had student loans. I didn't have consumer debt, but then my husband had like a uh, business consumer debt. And so, you know, it's just like, well, let's buckle down and let's try to knock these out and and so we did that, but then, like I said, within finding 
all the information out there, we kind of created our own path that fit for us. And so after I'm like, I can't be the only one out there that is searching for this information in like the modern day text where I don't have to, to carry, you know, cash. And, you know, there's a whole, it's just, it's, yeah, there's a whole stigma behind a lot of it as well too. Like even with the credit card things. So yeah, that's true. Like, do you mean like, it's not cool to use credit cards? Yeah, because it's like, you know, I was just did a few posts about it. Credit cards are a report card and not necessarily funding. And obviously, yes, people can make money off of it. So they're going to, you know, attract it and market it as funding. Mm-hmm. However, if that mind shift switches at such like a young way, and like the way we, we, the way we bring up children, I feel like it really can make that shift and be like, no, I, it was just a report card. Like, I don't need to spend money I don't have. Yeah. So do you have, have you developed a process that you teach people then? Is there like stepwise that you teach or can you give people an idea of that? Totally. So that's what I'm working on now. So um, I'm working on like a course right now. So basically when you take this course, it creates your own roadmap. So once you create it, it's a self-guided kind of like tour, like here's all your options. Here's why this could be good for you. Here's why this could be good for you. And then you make your decision based off of that. Um, and so right now I'm developing that, but then also I know that people it's, there's obviously a lot of information, so it's taking a bit. So in the meantime, I'm, um, taking on, um, like kind of like a self-guided, but one-on-one like coaching client sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that, they get a full breakdown of where they're at financially. Cause the sad part is like, no one actually knows and they don't right. know how to figure that out. Cause again, it's not taught. So, so I've been doing that just with like friends and like a few clients here and there and getting more demand for it. So that's why I'm expanding it out um, and doing it in a more feasible way that I can help multiple people at once. That sounds awesome. I mean, it sounds similar. I, it sounds like you for sure have different methods, but that's kind of what I teach too is like, there is no, there is no one way. People want like, tell me how to do it. Just tell me how to do it, right? Like, give me the answer. (laughs) And I'm like, well, if I gave you like a, if if I gave you a a roadmap, right, that would, that would be my roadmap. It wouldn't be your roadmap. And it's eventually not going to be, it's not going to make you happy, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not going to lead, it's not sustainable. You can do it for a while, Mm -hmm. but it's not sustainable. So I love that you're teaching people to like think for themselves because I think that's the the end game too, right? Is I, most people that I've been coaching, they actually they really want to feel confident in their choices. And the only way you can feel confident in your choices is to have awareness and knowledge and like mm-hmm. practice, right? It's just like anything, we have to practice it and do it. Yes. But yep. we can't have people telling us, no, this is the way and this is how you have to do it. Right. Exactly. Like I've had clients too that have gone to like financial advisors and coaches and they come back with a very blunt answer of like, you know, the typical, like you just are spending too much, but with no answers, like, but it goes to the thing. It's like, they can't determine what your needs are. Only you can. Right. Right. So tell me more. When did Unborrowed Life start? I found you super recently. Yeah. So I technically, I had this idea last year, um, but I just had a baby okay. and, and I have a one-year-old and a two-year-old. So they oh were very gosh. close together. It was so okay. I didn't, I didn't even think I had time to like think. So I had this idea and then last December, like November, December, I was like, okay, started putting the foundation work to get it out there. So it's been really recent. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. So not, not that long. Okay. Uh, That's probably when I found you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what is, you, it sounds like you have a vision, which I, I, I love a good vision, but like, what's yeah. the kind of overarching mission? Like, why are you doing it? Cause I think it's like, we could like go on our way, right? You and I, mm-hmm. and like continue to live our lives and create this, this life that we love and, you know, we're debt free and we have freedom and, but like, why do you do what you do? I think it's so interesting that there's so many of us out there like doing this thing. Yeah, I did it because I see a lot of my friends struggling. Um, and every, you know, every step that I would, you know, take in the journey, like, and I didn't even know. And you can see the freedom on the other side that these people have, you can see that they're not like stressed out, you know, I'm like, maybe, but not about money. Like, right. And so seeing that and having people reach out, and I think it's like a mix of it. But basically, I want to really help people to like, relieve themselves of like one more thing that they have to take care of, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously like any good thing, it takes work. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. But realistically, I'm like the everything that I've gone through was like, so like inspiring and seeing other people go through and like the transformation, you know, and mm-hmm. I think, yeah. 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 Helping people go through the process. And I, I teach at greatest worth that there's like pillars of like creating your best life. And I really believe that like getting your money in order is like at the bottom, like it's the foundation of, you know, once you get your money in order, then you can get your health in order and you can work on your relationships. And it just makes everything else feel a little less, like it's like less friction. Yes. Like money takes out the friction of things. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And I want other people to have that. I want them to feel confident in their finances, you know, and not feel like they're drowning or not live off of borrowed money. It's like this false sense of hope. And I think when you're, you're living off a false sense of hope, you feel it. Yeah. You know, so I want to create this like amazing world where we're self-reliant really. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I'm with you. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) So you guys on your journey, you've paid off your debt. Do you guys have a mortgage? Do you, do you we don't. We rent. Um, and so because of everything going on now, we, we were possibly looking into buying, but we're going to kind of wait it out. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's a little too soon. Um, we got out of debt in 2018. And in 2019, we dedicated that to catching up for like our unnecessary upgrades. Um, we bought a brand new, new to us, brand new to us, um, minivan. Mm -hmm. My husband got a motorcycle, which sounds, um, like a luxury expense, but out here it's a second car. So we only have one van. So, and because of that, he's able with the traffic, he's able to come back like home quicker. So we did that. Um, we did a few other things that simplified our life. Um, so we invested in a Dyson stick. Again, it sounds so simple, like sounds like a petty expense, but for us having five kids, we are, we were constantly sweeping and we needed to simplify that so we could spend more time playing games with the kids and be less stressed about that. So we did like the upgrade. So that was 2019 was just kind of like, take a pause, still, you know, save more or spend less than we make, but still take a little bit to enjoy life, but not use it as excuse where it's like, oh, I'm just going to go you know, blow all this money. But so we kind of paused on that. And so 
Yeah. So now in 2000 or 2020, we're looking to start saving again and really hunkering down to try to buy a house out here, but we're not in a rush either. So, yeah. Well, I'm curious because your cost of living must be insane in LA. (gasps) So I can't even imagine because, so I live in Asheville, North Carolina, which I mean, it does not even compare, but it has a high cost of living considering like the, the jobs here. You know, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of people that I coach who, who often use that as an excuse of like, well, I just can't get ahead because I can't make enough money. So I would love for you to address like, how do you guys do it? So we basically, we just live on like the... I call it like the dollar rule. Um, and it sounds so simple. So when I was explaining to my son about finances, it's basically breaks down to a dollar. So it's like, so you know, my son's same sex. I was like, Dexter, let's say you make a dollar a month, you know, really simple. And he's like, yeah, okay. I was like, so you borrowed money from grandpa. And because of that, you owe grandpa 50 cents now. He's like, oh, okay. He was like, I was bummed. And I was like, okay. Like most people do, they borrow this money. I was like, so now it takes 25 cents for you to live. And he's like, okay. And I was like, what are you left with? He's like, 25 cents. I was like, exactly. And, and then we went through the whole thing. I was like, okay, so now even if you took that extra 25 cents, like what if you put 15 cents and paid grandpa off quicker? And now let's say instead of paying grandpa 70 or, you know, 50 cents for a year, you're paying him the 65 cents. And now it takes you three months. And now, now what happens? And he's like, well, then I have, 75 cents at the end. I'm like, yeah, so you can either choose to continue to spend that 75 cents or you could spend 35 cents and save the rest of it. And so uh-huh. like, basically that's what we do. Um, yeah, it's like all based off of the dollar rule. We always spend for the majority of part less than what we make. Um, and being freelance, those months shifts. So yeah we basically have to watch those like if after our like what I call buckets after those are filled up, um, which is like rent our basic living expenses. If we have extra, then we get to dictate what we do to it. But it really comes down to the whole dollar rule thing and just spending less than what we make. Yeah. Well, yes. Do you ever like feel frustrated or like lose motivation or like, how do you, how do you keep doing that? Like, does it feel slim ever to you? Um, some months. Yes. Um, but because we're out of debt now, we have, um, we basically flex with our emergency funds, you know, so we use that as, um, obviously an emergency fund as well. Um, but usually our savings, we don't touch. Um, so usually with our emergency fund, we usually don't have to touch it because if something happens with freelance, we'll prioritize our money different before we fill up the buckets. Um, so we do, so we'll, if, uh, you know, the whole reason that we did get out debt was to account for these flexes as well. So, you know, if one month we're short for like 400, $500, we don't really freak out because we'll take that from the emergency fund because right. of the lifestyle and the habits that we've created. We know that there's, you know, if there's a surplus next month, it's going to well make up for that $400 that was taken out. Right. Well, what do you tell like your clients that you're coaching though, who, who get, frustrated with just like the process or who feel, I don't like who have, who are lacking motivation, right? So there's usually motivation in the beginning and they're really excited and then it gets like hard. So what do you tell them? (laughs) If it gets hard, I always say to take mental health 
like that's above and beyond. Do you know what okay. I mean? Like it does not an excuse to go on this whole spending spree and spend $200 at a department store. Okay. But if you need to get a coffee, that's $5, get a coffee. That's $5, yes. or, you know, doing a $30 nail, you know, or hair, like you have to prioritize your health above all. And I think that that's missing in the whole, you know, community as well as money, because I'm like, people are just like, all, you know, going intense, whether that's great, but you get, it's just like dieting, like you restrict, you're going to hit a breaking point and you're just going to keep spiraling. Yes. So instead of allowing that to spiral, set up a reward system too. Like, okay, like today's hard, like, because it's hard, I'm going to take a small break. I'm going to enjoy this coffee and I'll try to get back on track, you yes. know? So it's just, and honestly, it comes down to that mindset. So the way like I, you know, like I always tell them like, yeah, when you're having rough days, allow yourself to have rough days, but know too, that it's not going to last. Like it's a very temporary state. So yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I wanted to talk about minimalism and money with you because I think that's even how I found you. And that has been something that I have been talking about. And it's funnily enough, like some of my most, uh, like my most uh, followed posts because I don't oh, nice. think it's really talked about very much. And it seems to be like you have this similar uh, mindset and aesthetic around, around minimalism, but like way back off when we were paying off our debt, I mean, it's been like six years ago or something. Now I was finding people like Joshua Becker and uh, Tish. Uh, she's, she does the art of simple, but also people like Mr. Money Mustache who was like, People just like living a much different lifestyle than like the norm, right? Than, mm -hmm. than kind of what you see in media or people around us. And I, I really was attracted to it because I was like, why? It started to help me just question things and be like, why do I want a, a brand new minivan? Do I actually want a brand new minivan or do I want like the, the brand new to me minivan? Right. Right. Because we actually have four kids too. So there came a point where like we, we had to get something that would hold four children. Six mm -hmm. people. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it just kind of got me questioning. So I'd love to hear your opinion on how money and minimalism go together for you. Yeah, it's honestly like the same. I love the quote and I have it on, I post like just recently posted it, like, does this fit in the life that I'm trying to create? So it did change, but I will admit that for a while, like after getting out of debt, I could see myself going into the spending spree again. And then, then I had to sit back and realize I'm like, why am I doing this? And I think it's because, and this is literally, I think like two weeks ago, I realized this. It's like, it was in my upbringing and my DNA to be very frugal and to be 50. And then I realized I'm like purchasing stuff because it was on sale just because it was on sale and not necessarily yeah. that I want my kids to wear it or that, you know, so it was a big mindset shift. So now I tell myself, you know, that it, does this create the life that I'm, you know, does this fit the life that I'm trying to create? And it's really helped. So it's like, uh, I get really sucked in at, you know, like the dollar stuff and you know, Target's little dollar spot. But then it's like, I sit with all this decor that is not my style that was cute. And so, yep. yeah, it's just that constant questioning, you know, I'd rather have less stuff, but nicer stuff or like, you know, more like the finishes are better on it than a yeah. whole abundance of things. Yeah. Yeah. That is where I came to also where I started just like selling everything. I was like, why do I have all this stuff? There's so much <laughs> yeah. stuff in this house. And with a lot of children, like the stuff seems to accumulate too. So it was yes. even like trying to help my kids see like, 
you know, a lot of their friends have like eight pairs of shoes. And I'm like, you need like two pairs of shoes. You hear some rain boots and here's some tennis shoes. Like, yep. <laughs> that's it. And the, my girls will sometimes get like hand-me-down dress shoes. And I still struggle with it. I'm like, oh, am I like a bad mom? Because my girls don't have these like sweet little dress shoes like all the other, you know, girls do. And it's funny because they don't even care. Like they're not asking me for dress shoes. <laughs> like maybe if they ask me. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all in our head, like how we think our children should look and how we feel like we should look or our house should look, right? It's like all these things that are all about appearance most of the time, or it has been for me. It's like, how do I look for other people? Yeah, I think that's a huge trap that people can fall into too, because especially with like social media gaining the height of like advertising that it has, you see people posting these like, even, you know, it's like, the, even the stuff from like the dollar stuff or like the stuff, you know, like all this decor stuff, you know, and becomes this thing. And then you think that you want to have it and, you know, and like I've fallen trapped to that too. And then I had to like step back and like, no, what is actually my style? Yeah. And most of the time I'm like, yeah, again, I'm like I'm buying stuff that I don't necessarily need. And we actually just went through our kids' wardrobe as well. And I gutted so much. I think I had three trash bags of stuff. Cause I'm like, I bought them again, all stuff on sale. And they don't wear it. They just they throw their clothes it. on. Yeah. And I I'm like, know. and they're, again, yeah. And they're not asking either. Like my kids have a lot of dress shoes from hand-me-downs and they wear two pairs, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? And, and I always look at like when we go on vacations and how light I pack and they never complain. So I'm like, yeah. So I feel like, yeah, a lot of it is we're doing it for ourselves, And it comes from like keeping up with the Joneses, like subconsciously. Yeah. I, and I grew up kind of more poor we weren't totally poor but we definitely didn't get everything we wanted and so I think I'm trying like I don't I think it's subconscious too to be like well here I want my children to like have things if they want it so Mm -hmm. I know that that's a mindset mindset shift too so are there like specific things you do besides asking yourself that question but specific things you do to like integrate minimalism into your life or money minimalism into your life yeah so we're constantly like trying to like edit and curate our stuff um so we're just like you know even decor stuff instead of switching out my decor I'd be like okay do I actually need to keep this and really honestly like it's detaching that sentimental value as well you know because you know like this blanket might remind me of a time that you know x you know happened or this family trip happened um but at the grand scheme of things like I don't look, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the times that the stuff that I put away doesn't take away the memories and I don't take them out to be re-reminded of that. Right. So I think constantly just telling like myself to like let go of things and it'll be okay. Like that mindset helps. And then regarding money, we value um, family time far over big lavish vacations or like huge Christmas presents or huge birthday presents. And so we really kind of balance things there. So instead of doing for example, like a big, you know, vacation for a family, we'd rather have a zoo membership, you know, like, obviously, it's more cost efficient. But it also allows us to do things as it's an avenue as a family, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, obviously, I live in Los Angeles, Disney passes are a huge thing. 
where my kids aren't that fully into Disney and I'm not against it by any means, but instead of opting for that one year, we did Knott's Berry Farm. So it's like a quarter of the price, the same, you know, and we used it a lot. And honestly, I want to get back to that, but they've been like, we have activities and, you know, and even there too, like we try to keep their activities minimal Mm-hmm. As much as we love to see them grow, we make sure we get them in classes they're interested in. We look at rec centers because um, my kids aren't really on a competitive level of everything. Um, and some of my rec centers offer free stuff, which helps. Um, oh, awesome. But even with that too, we want to free up the time for family stuff. Like I'd rather go a family camping than, you know, spending a whole bunch of money on like a whole bunch of classes that they're not interested in. Yeah. So. Yes. We struggle with that too, with four kids. I can't even imagine with five kids, but like, are we still, and ours maybe are a little older than yours because we have 11, nine, seven, and five. And so now it's like getting to the point, our five-year-old is still not into anything, but the (laughs) seven, nine, and 11-year-old are kind of into things now. And so now we're like, well, you have to choose. Like you can't do everything because even my nine-year-old daughter was like, well, I like horseback riding and gymnastics. And what did she want to do? Oh, girls on the run. And I was like, baby girl, you cannot do all three. There's just no, no, that's yeah. not happening. I mean, there's six of us. Like you can't do all of those things. Um, it's just not fair to everyone else in the family, you know, cause we're the same way. Like we like to have dinner together. We like to do things in the evenings together. Like we don't want to be going in every single direction all the time. Yeah. It's like, it comes to a production level, like you're yes. producing stuff. And so that's another thing as well. It's like you're instead of, you know, it's just evaluating your time and it's not that you don't want your kids to, you know, explore these different avenues, but it just has to be sectioned off. Like if this semester, you know, or this, you know, quarter you want to do, you know, horseback riding great. And then maybe next semester we can look into doing other activities yes. you love for sure. Yeah, when you get into that, it's just, it's a production and it takes up so much time. <laughs> yeah. And it's also another like comparison trap because like if you only have two kids, right? Like you probably could let your kids do three different things or four different <laughs> totally. things. Totally. And that's kind of what's happening these days. But with four kids, it comes to the, or five kids, you're like, that just is not happening. Like it's not happening. So yep. it comes to like big families too. Like, but also, I want to talk more about your values because you talk about like valuing your family. And that's like a step that I make people go through is um, figuring out and then like defining their values. Because I think it's something in our life that really is not talked about. Like if you ask people like, do you know what you value? I think most of them would say yes, but then you like, okay, tell me. And they're like, uh, I, what, you know, <laughs> like they don't really know deep in their soul. So that's a exercise that I make people go through. And it sounds like you guys have done that. So you know that you value family. Like, what are your other values? Yeah, so it's funny because as soon as I saw that question, I was like, oh, actually, it was the same thing. I was like, wait, I do have values. And the only (laughs) one I could think of was the family time. Like, we do, like, again, like, you do the the sit-down dinners. We do all of that. Um, And truthfully, like, I think think our main value is family and our health. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, our two-year-old, she is like the type that will like trip and like break a finger. So, you know, like I, you know, like I rather pay for the doctor bill for it being nothing than having it be something. So I'm very like adamant about that, like valuing my kids' health and believing them when they say that they're sick. And I never used to be that way. I'm like, you're okay. Just walk it off. Yeah. (laughs) But now it's like, that's shifted. 
um, obviously, I mean, me and my husband enjoy and value time, but it's something that we are obviously like, and I know like it's people always say don't sacrifice your time between like, but we do have moments. We just have it differently now. Um, cause our kids are so young and we're like slowly, you know, we're not in that stage of like being able to have that freedom or even have conversations <laughs> while the kids are asleep. So I think those are probably like the three things, like the family time, you know, yeah. like, you know, spousal time and definitely health. Yeah. But I think what, uh, well, what I kind of tell people and what kind of happens once they define their values. And I think you've kind of already done this subconsciously, but like you, you start to use your money towards those things, right? Like, so then Mm -hmm. you kind of are knowing, okay, well, is this like, is that new couch, couch pillow, whatever, is that something that I really actually value is like having this um, perfectly decored home. Is that something I value or what do I actually value? You know? And then it helps you kind of make priorities and decide Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I'm going to work on fixing up my living room. Like that's going to be the first thing I do with my money. And I think that's a really, people get really overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? What do I have all these things I want to do, but like, where do I start? And so like really figuring out what you want and what you value. I think in the money space, um, it's kind of like a big thing to, or it's normal, I guess, to talk about how money compounds, right? But it's also to say like, you can do it fast. Like, I feel like that's kind of the message that's sent out in the, in the money space. And I suppose you can do it fast, but I think it's, you know, like you see the things on Pinterest, it's like how I paid off $200,000 in like three months or something like mm-hmm. that. And you're like, come on, like be realistic. Like, for right. did you sell your house? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know if you have any opinions about habits or little small changes that you feel like are, that you do that are helpful for people. Um, just little tips like that we can like give people like actual tactical, like practical things to do. Yeah. Honestly, I think, you know, if you look at your grand scheme of things and I do this with, um, like how I run my business as well, it's like, okay, where do I want to be in five years? And then you break that down. So you break that down into like, even, you know, and it has to be like measurable, um, tasks. You can't just be like, oh, I want to increase my income in five years. It has to be like, you know, or I'm going to pay off debt in five years. You could, you know, be like, look at the amount of your debt, be realistic about it and be like, okay, I have, you know, like $60,000 worth of debt. I want to get that paid off in, you know, five years and keep breaking it down. So you break it down to the each year and then the month. And then it comes, you know, like then it becomes more habit forming mm-hmm. and those tasks are more manageable because mm-hmm. like you're saying in the beginning, yeah. Like, I mean, we did ours really fast. That was our choice. Um, but again, like it doesn't have to be that way. Like if you want to take five years paying something off, that's totally fine. You have to do what fits right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as just forming these habits, it's just getting in that mindset, you know, and honestly writing three tasks that day that are going to help you, you know, move that needle to that mm-hmm. direction. So it can be like, um, so I did like um, a save anything challenge in 2020. And it was basically to create that habit forming before I was like, okay, like, you know, this week, like, don't worry about anything else. Just skip one coffee. 
mm-hmm. you know, skip a coffee a day or like, or whatever that works for you, however you're spending your money, it's just to be conscious and aware. And I think honestly, that's that first needle into going into that direction is, you know, cause a lot of people don't even realize like how much they're consuming. And so, you know, like your three tasks could easily be like, not, um, not buying coffee, not doing takeout and, you know, whatever you want it to be, obviously everyone's is going to look different. Um, and a way that we save money on the whole takeout thing is because everyone has off days. And so we stock up on our like Trader Joe's frozen stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes, they're more expensive than the normal groceries we're going to eat or to make. Um, but the, the stuff that we're buying is still cheaper as if we're going to take out and they have yes. a really good frozen option. So it's yeah, like, we get that like quick, easy meal, but for a fraction of the cost, like, mm-hmm. yes, it's more than our grocery costs, but then it's cheaper than the whole takeout cost. Yep. So even doing a habit of that, you know, like, you're like, okay, if I'm prone to taking out, like, you just have to be aware of your habits and just seeing what you can do to correct those. Yeah. And then doing that, you know, continuing to do it and continuing to ask yourself, like, am I doing this, you know, out of habit? Is this something I can change? Things like that. Yeah. I think the first thing could even be to just like, for this day, I'm going to pay attention to everything I spend money on every time. Totally. You know, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people just aren't even aware. Like you said, Mm -hmm. like we, we've gotten so far past awareness that it's hard for me to remember what it's like to not know what you're spending your money on. Like that, yep. that kind of makes me sick to my stomach to think about it. <laughs> like to oh, not totally. know where every dollar is, like every penny. I know where every penny mm-hmm. is. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a great place to start is literally like, okay, today I'm going to make a list of everything I spend money on. And then look at that list at the end of the night and ask myself, were all of those purchases something that's going to get me to the life that I want to live? You know? Totally. Yeah. I yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that awesome conversation. I think it's going to be so helpful for so many women out there. But I wanted you to kind of tell everyone where you're at and where they can find you and what you have coming up. Yeah. So my handle on every platform is on Borrowed Life. Um, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. I have to be honest, I don't do much with Facebook. Okay. Um, but it's still there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so coming, uh, the products that I'm like constantly launching free tools that people can use. Um, I have a holiday gift tracker. I have, um, some planner stuff that you are available. Um, and then moving forward, I will be launching mid-March, uh, some limited one-on-one client sessions, um, opening that up so then people can get their own roadmap type of things like that. And then in the longer run, I'm hoping later this year will be the full kind of course online course program available for people as well. And that's all at my website, which is also unborrowedlife.com. Which all of it is so beautiful. You guys should go check it out. It's like my favorite thing to look at. So yeah. And I'll link to all of it. So yeah, oh, thank you guys you. Can check it out. Thank you for being here. That was really Thank fun. you for having me. It was yeah. fun. I really appreciate it. I know your phone is about to die. So yes. you can. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thanks, Jillian. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.